typical 10. Your paycheck suddenly suffers the heavy tax of keeping up appearances at the private school, but also because you frankly spend time cruising the east side of Phoenix, a part of town previously unknown to you, exploring the roads lined with expensive homes, even wending to the top of Camelback Mountain, where the priciest homes of all are perched, and also the Biltmore area with its boutique shops and exclusive restaurants, and the difference between this world and yours solidifies all of it bifurcated by the private school that resides geographically between the two, and maybe not just geographically. Just like the two eggs in Gatsby, though you start to think less of J. Gatsby and more about F. Scott Fitzgerald, famous and rich and then broke and forgotten in the same lifetime, but immortal in death, and that seems more desirable than money. Something to really strive for, but the how is too hard to parse, and you drop it until you're watching the credits roll on the midnight showing of Less Than Zero and see that the movie, which you consider powerful for its examination of the importance of loyal friendships, is based on a novel, and later you do a little sniffing around the Phoenix Public Library and learn that the author is more like Fitzgerald than not, and maybe that's the blueprint. You read the author's second book, which isn't as well-received as the first, just like Fitzgerald, and it's about the doings of kids at a college in the woods of Vermont, and you truthfully can't make much of it. But the striking difference between the author photos of the first two books is something to note. The party scenes in the book exceed anything you experience, hanging out with your graduated high school friends in their new digs in Tempe, the college town built up around Arizona State University, one friend living in a dorm with beer bottle caps pressed into the ceiling of the hall, so many they gleam like a metallic rainbow, and the other moving into a newly built pink stucco apartment complex across the street from campus for students only, miles better than the other apartment complexes, which are really just old cinder block motels, repainted and repainted, all with crumbling swimming pools, ringed with co-eds catching rays. It's quickly clear that all the cool kids will be living at the new complex. The rental application asks for fraternity affiliation, so rival frat members aren't accidentally booked into the same four-person apartment, the complex deciding who will live with whom, the only drawback, but no one seems to mind for access to the sand volleyball court and the sparkling pool, but really for the weekend parties so legendary that kids at your new private school have heard of them. The apartments are identically furnished, so that while the locations of the parties are different each weekend, the parties have the feel of having picked up where the other ones left off, all of the faces nameless to you and to everyone, you think, but no one cares. You first hear about the U2 concerts at Sun Devil Stadium at one of these parties, and the notion that the tickets are only $5 seems like drunken rambling, but radio stations all over town start broadcasting that the band will play two shows on consecutive days to film a documentary, and to ensure the stadium is full both nights, all tickets are indeed only five dollars. 
Where it is, celebrities from Hollywood are driving through the desert in their limos to attend, and you and your private school friends score some tickets, excited at the prospect, even if the seats are terrible all the way up toward the top of the bowl. Some kids have tickets for both nights, which you find slightly annoying, but you also wish you could go both times. But when you're actually at the show, you're distracted by the murder of the owner of the fish and chips two nights prior. Someone knocking on his door while he was sitting down to dinner in his apartment. The owner always lived frugally, even though his chain of fish and chips was successful in mostly all cash operations. And while the apartment where he lived was in a better part of town, he was still shot point blank through the chest. When he opened the door, his dinner still cooling on the table. And in the days after leading up to Christmas, it becomes known that the killer was after the sack of silver coins commemorating the fish and chips 40th anniversary the owner kept in his closet. The local pawn shops are put on alert, and just like in the movies, the killer tries to pawn the coins and is arrested and revealed to be the investigator hired by the insurance company the fish and chips owner had applied to for better rates. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, Growing Up in the Culture of Spectacle by Jamie Clark, editor of the literary project The Last Novel Ever Published 